are live! Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to the first official episode of Knights of Pain Town, a City of Mist actual play podcast. I am your lovely master of ceremonies for tonight, Mikey. You can find me on all of the social medias, specifically the TikToks, Instagrams, and Twitters at PopCultureGeek. And I am really excited to finally begin the story for Knights of Pain Town. As always, I am joined by my lovely players. So we're going to go around real quick to introduce themselves to you and to tell you, the lovely listening audience, who they will be playing and what their mythos is. So we are going to begin this round of introductions. Hi, I'm, I'm Wes, and I'll be playing Jack Mac McTire, who his mythos is Eternals. Hello, my name is uh, Josh, also known as MG Preacher on TikTok, and I will be playing as Friedrich Krupp. Hey everyone, it's Echo, or on TikTok, Albert the Owlbear, the talking owl, yeah, talking owlbear puppet. And I will be playing the Irish mobster, Corey O'Reilly. And the mythos of choice was Dagda, the supreme Irish god. Awesome. As I mentioned at the top, we are officially diving straight first into the story of Knights of Pain Town. For those of you who missed the first episode, we are using the City of Mist tabletop RPG. The mechanics are really simple. It just requires you to create your character and all you need is two six-sided dies, which will either give you glorious victories or outstanding failures. <laughs> Tonight's episode, we are going to get a glimpse of the personalize of our characters before we dive straight into all sorts of mysteries and shenanigans I have cooked up for them. With that, let us begin our tale. Located off the shore in off the Bay Area near San Francisco is the giant city of Paintown. While it is a coastal city from a distance, it doesn't look too large until you dock onto the port and realize how vast the city is, ranging from all sorts of industrial areas to residentials to even more entertainment trap districts. The denizens of Paintown live their day-to-day -day lives going on about their business, but there are a select few known as Rifts that see beyond the mundane and get a glimpse of the other world or beyond the mist to see all sorts of mythological feet and creatures and individuals manifest their way into the world. While some use their Rift powers for good, Others have more sinister purposes, as we will come to find out as the story begins to be told. But that is the tale for a later time, a more seedier part of Pain Town. Crawling with back alleys and sounds of the trains passing overhead, taxi cars all over the place, the camera kind of zooms into a quaint little bar, if you will. And as it pushes through the doors and enters, we see a fellow kind of behind the bar attending to his patrons. So Corey 
Would you like to give us a little description of your character? Corey O'Reilly's is a lanky Irishman, I would say. Like, your first thought is, how does how is he like that? Because he's not very beaten up in this seedy part of town. And he's just wearing a normal business suit as he's pouring everyone's drinks, trying his best to be a good host to these people. Excellent. So, Corey, as you are tending to your patrons from the back of the bar, you hear a loud glass crash of something breaking upon impact of the floor behind. And before you get a chance to even react to that, from the corner of the door leading to the back of the bar, you just see a young kind of fresh faced ginger haired uh, boy. And he's, uh, sorry, Mr. O'Reilly, I didn't mean to drop the glass. It, it's fine, lad. I can always <laughs> get another one. I may have a little bit more of a problem back here, but yeah, I'm in over my head with this one. Let's go in, let's, let's go in the back and talk about it. As he grabs a old worn wooden cane. Alrighty, so you make your way to the back of the bar in the kitchen area. As you turn into the doorway, Corey, usually this isn't your first rodeo. You have been doing this for a very long time since you opened the bar and how it should operate and how it should be organized. However, as you walk into the kitchen area, you just see that it is in disarray. There are bottles all over the place, dishes hanging all over. It is a disaster. And in front of you, this young gentleman. Yeah, I forgot how the protocol goes. I'm still trying to memorize everything you told me and it just backfired. We'll work on it, lad. We'll work on it. And this boy, I appreciate you giving me the job and everything, Mr. O'Reilly, but could you run the steps one more time for me of how to make sure that I keep this place in tip top shape? (laughs) Let me tell you this. No matter how many times I tell you how to run the steps, you're probably not going to do it correctly to my specifications. You must find your own rhythm sometimes, lad. Fair. That's how I kept this place running. When I got it, I let me tell you, there was no customers here. Surprised it's still standing. Yeah. Sorry, Mr. O'Reilly. Just still getting used to it. <laughs> it's only been about two weeks since you've hired me, but I appreciate the boat of confidence. <laughs> it's it's fine, lad. Right. Oh, it's kind of your thing, but you can call me Danny, sir. It's fine. We- <laughs> lad is a little so formal, and I'm not really the formal type. That That is fine, Danny. Right. As Danny kind of looks at the clock behind you, Corey... Oh, Mr. O'Reilly, I believe you have an appointment coming up soon, correct? Or did I get that wrong, too? (laughs) I do have one coming up. I'll finish cleaning up back here, and then I'll take over for the front of the bar, so that way you can go out and take care of what you need to, sir. Thank you. And with that, Danny frantically begins tidying up the kitchen, 
as you make your way out from the kitchen back to the bar. As you take in the scenery of your bar, why don't you give us a description of kind of what it looks like, the atmosphere gives the decor. What does Corey's bar look like? I'm going to say this. From what it looks like the inside, it looks, it, it was changed into this old Irish pub with the furnishing and everything. But from the from how everything looks, it looks like it was one of those old-fashioned disco bars that was <laughs> retrofitted. So, Corey, as you survey your bar for a little bit, taking in to make sure that everything is good to go for when Danny takes over your shift, you feel comfortable enough to make your way on out. A couple sure. days ago, you had received a text message from some of your old, shall we say, friends from a previous life. And they would like you to meet them at the local jazz club, not too far from your bar. As you exit and you walk on the sidewalks, taking in the sights and sound of Paint Town, you've walked these streets multiple times, but it never ceases to amaze you how much newness that you find within the city, whether it's new developments, the sound and sights of People of all different walks of life just making their way through town. You just take it in, and before you know it, you find yourself at the Brick House, the local jazz lounge, near you. As you look at the front door, the sign on it says closed, but you being, well, you per se, you know exactly where to enter this building. I know. It's the way of the trade. As you give a soft laugh to it, you make your way around the back of the building and you just enter the door. As you enter the brick house, they're still setting up. There's no customers there. Most of its clientele doesn't come in until the nighttime. But from what you could tell, it's exactly the same as you were last here. And the far off corner is this grand stage covered with brick awning in the background, scaffolding lights. You see a very nice ivory piano in the corner of the stage, the microphone set at the center. And as you walk in, you see a couple of gentlemen just shooting the shit, playing cards at the table. And then you also see another figure behind the far, but this one, female, and kind of just counting inventory, making sure all the stuff is ready to go for tonight. And as you make your way in, this female figure notices you. Ah, if it isn't good old Cody. How you been, lad? How have you been? Same old, just trying to make sure that things are taken care of. Trying to keep this thing afloat. Yes. Finally, some of us can't stay young forever. I wouldn't know anything about that, Corey. You look like you could use a breather or two. <laughs> probably, probably do, but let's be honest, my look's not that good. I wouldn't say that. You're still alive, so that's definitely a plus. Yeah, that's true. And you have those two lovely daughters of yours, so it can't all be that bad. Yes, that... I, that, that was off, but it could have been better. 
and she just gives you a little smirk. So, what can I get you, love? I hate to say this, but I'll just have some tea this time <laughs> and get too drunk this early. I'm assuming with the honey sticks as well. Yes, please. Alright, coming right up. And sure enough, within a flurry, she whips up a nice cup of tea with the honey st- with one honey stick already beginning to melt inside of your tea and a couple extras on the side in case you choose to make your drink a little sweeter. Curry starts spitting it with the stick. So any new things happening around the city? There's always something new, but I don't know. And she hesitates a little bit. I have to be honest, Corey. It's been a couple of years, but I was still surprised that she wanted to leave. And you chose to be a civilian in all this. I am technically a civilian. I will say yes to that. But if I need to be called, I will come back. I promise my life to this. There's no forever out for me. That is true. But do you ever worry? You have more at stake now. You have your two lovely girls that you got to think about. Of course I do. But as I say, when you're a young man, you don't think about that stuff. Right. Oh, then in that case, and she reaches behind the bar and she pulls out a little manila envelope sealed. These are the latest things that I have gathered. Some per your request and others that you probably might find interesting. Now, I can't guarantee that there'll be a good payout after all this, but if you're interested, you could take over, take a look over the file and then just come back and talk to me and we'll figure out the details. Some of these will help the city, which I have to do now. It's, it's weird saying that out loud, helping the city. Jeez, I'm getting old. <laughs> Who knew? The great Corey O'Reilly is now a hero to the city. That is, again, <laughs> I find that funny, but in a good way. Yes, I do too. But, like I said, you could take a look over this file, and if anything sounds interesting, just come back to me, and then we'll figure it out. I do believe I should probably start getting ready tonight. We have some old Kruna jazz singer coming through. It's not necessarily my style, but uh, it pays the bills, so I can't complain. I'm actually debating if I should keep the old jukebox or not. You still have that thing. I <laughs> and she kind of just puts her hand on her head. Corey, we talked about this. I know you're old fashioned, but you need to modernize. Otherwise, you're going to lose the kids coming into your bar. It's not nothing grand, but I have a couple of young ones who want the experience, as they call it, of a jazz bar that has been here forever. But uh, they're just kids. They have a whole they have their whole lives ahead of them. And of course, you have to go with the times. Oh, but I've tried being that thing out. It doesn't want to leave. Hey, Cody, it is your bar. You do what you please with it. But I'm just Maybe just take my advice this once, as she kind of chuckles after saying so. <laughs> I'll try again, but if it bites me, like... you always do, anyways. <laughs> Not all the time. 
Oh, so you want to go there now? <laughs> but I got it. No, never mind. <laughs> That's what I thought. Like I said, if anything in that envelope interests you, just let me know. And then make sure you tell your daughters I said hi. Alrighty, I gotta get this place ready, so thanks for stopping by, Cody. You're welcome, Isabel. And with that, she takes your finished teacup and begins washing and then begins to start getting the jazz bar, the lounge, ready. Just leaves and using the cane to help him buy. Corey, as you continue to make your way down the streets, we'll come back to you in a little bit. The camera then pans across the street, this time at what seems to be a dirt lot, but with the sign of coming soon, new Fortuna Mall, and it is a construction dig site. <laughs> so as the camera leaves you, Corey, as you continue to walk down the street, we now pan over to this construction site where we see another key player in this story. So Mac, describe what your character looks like and what he is currently doing. He's about six foot two, a bigger guy. He's part, he's covered in tattoos, got whole bunch of piercings doesn't it looks like he's been around and he's just closing up and shutting down the, the truck he was driving all day getting ready to go he's done for the day and he's officially done he's done <laughs> so mac as you finish getting your truck done and organized and cleaned and as you're about to head out one of the other construction workers is like yo mac uh yeah the boss wants to see you real quick before you go. The fuck the boss wants to see me before I have nothing to do with this. I don't know. Hey, I told you this before. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what I was told to tell you. <laughs> I'll go talk to him. If he needs me to talk to him, I'll talk to him. Don't worry. Oh, by the way, remember what we talked about the other week? Is there still a possibility that I can get an autograph? <laughs> I don't remember you saying please. If you don't mm. say please, I'm not doing it. Very simple. Uh, come on, Mag. You've known me for years. Just do me the small favor. The power of the word, please. I'm telling you right now, you say please, I'll think about it. Can I please have an autograph? Of course you can. Just making it say please. Just, just fucking with you, though. <laughs> I have to remember why I'm friends with you, but whatever. I get the autograph. Thank you. You should probably go see the boss. He's been in a mood lately, so just be careful. I'd like Don't worry about me. From there, you make your way over to the office. Now, you've been at this for a while now, and you've had multiple bosses come and go with the different jobs you have done within Pain Town. Your current boss that you have right now, it, he's not the worst person, but... He has his quirks. So as you walk in, sitting behind the desk is probably the most perplexing outfit that a boss would ever wear. Your boss is currently wearing a kind of fedora and like this very 
thin kind of like cashmere tracksuit jumpsuit attire going on. And as you walk in, this is your boss, a one Mr. Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> so as you walk in, Tony notices you. Hey, Mac, have a seat, my friend. Fine, I'll sit down if you want me to. I promise I won't take you your, up too much of your time, but uh, I have a little proposition for you. I'm interested. What you got for me? And if you're happy, I'm happy as a circle. Now you're getting it. <laughs> yeah, Mac, you've been working for Tony for a little bit, and he's not that bad of a boss, but you know that he is a total cheese and a sleaze ball all wrapped into one. <laughs> but yeah, Tony looks at the clock. You should probably get going, especially since you have a date with her in a little bit, if I remember correctly. I, I do, and if I have nothing else to do here, I'm, I'm, I'm out, man. I'm gone. Oh, by pay. all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about the pay. Right. Let's make it sure. <laughs> have I ever steered you wrong, Mac? <laughs> you really want me to answer that question out loud? <laughs> Good point. Never mind. Don't answer that. But you will get paid, I promise. All right, fine by me. Yeah, alrighty. That's all I wanted to ask, Max. So you are free to go, my friend. All right, thank you much. As you turn around, Tony goes back to looking over the plans of this new mall that you guys are currently working on. And as you exit the construction yard for the day, you make your way back to your apartment and you essentially start getting ready for the night. As you walk into the bathroom, we get a little glimpse of how things are. For Mac personally, how organized of he of a person is he? <laughs> he is not organized in the slightest. He is, it's not terrible, it's not bad, but it's that organized chaos that I know where things are, I have my system. I may not know where that shirt may not be on top of the pile, but it's somewhere there. I'll find it. Ah, I love it. Alrighty. So, Mac, as you walk into the bathroom, it's, again, organized chaos where everything needs to be in, or you'll find it eventually. But in addition to all the usual stuff that you find in the bathroom, toiletries, things for the shower, the camera kind of looks around and we get a glimpse of some other stuff. There seems to be an abnormal amount of kind of hair laying all over the floor. And it's the consistency more to a fur than actual hair. And then there's also a couple of patched holes in the wall with either drywall or duct tape just spattered around. And as you step into the shower and clean yourself off to get ready for the date, you begin to reminisce and you start to rehearse in your head how you're going to talk with your date. So a couple days ago, your girlfriend, Jean, she texted you saying that she wanted you to come see her perform at one of the local venues tonight. But she also wanted to talk to you about what happened at last show where things got a little dicey and she wanted to talk to you about some of the concerns that she saw when that crazy stalker broke in backstage into the dressing room. 
So as you continue to take your shower and to rehearse those things, you get dressed and you leave your apartment. And before you hail a cab, you make one stop before you take a cab to the venue. By your apartment, there's this little, little flower shop. Sweet older uh, Korean lady by the name of Mrs. Yu. She's out there. She sees you coming up. Oh, Mac, it's been a while. How are you, love? Oh, there you are. Hey, there you are. Hi, every <laughs> single time. Makes me laugh every <laughs> single time. I'm sorry, it does. <laughs> That's okay, love. I always love your sense of humor. <laughs> so, what uh, brings you by today? Uh, I figured it'd be in, best, you know, in my best interest to pick up a rose. Maybe just, just one. Classy like that. Oh, I see. Are you on your way to see John? Gene? <laughs> I was going to say, it's pronounced Gene, but it, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to see her. Oh, I'm sorry, love. Just old age. It's It, it gets confusing sometimes. <laughs> All right. No worries. Absolutely no worries. <laughs> All righty. So now I know you just said one, but... Love, for as long as I've been around, I know a little bit about how women operate. So let me do this favor for you. And you just see her in her kind of like grandma slippers and in her floral apron, just slowly meander and shuffle her way towards the back of her little stand. Now, I remember you telling me that you had a date with her, and so I decided to do something a little special, so that way you could impress her. And as she comes back, you only asked for a single rose, Mac. Mrs. Yu has given you a whole bouquet of these things, of all different color roses arranged in a pattern. Now, I know I went to may have gone a little overboard, but trust me, she will appreciate it. Tony, you're a saint every single time I see you. You're a saint. Of all, my, of all the florists I talk to, you are easily my favorite. You probably say that to all the lovely florists. You're the only she, one. Aww. And she kind of blushes when you say that. Thank you, love. And so she walks up to you. Now, you tell her when you give these to her that Mrs. Yu sends her love and would like to see her again, too. I can do that for you. No problem. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, and don't worry about the cost. This one's on the house. And say no to a free thing. Nope. No, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Alrighty. Love, you kids have a good time tonight. And don't stay out too late, okay? I will definitely be in bed by bedtime. Don't worry about me. And Mrs. Yu walks up to you and gives you a little small kiss on the cheek. I appreciate it, love. <laughs> He and then she, I'm assuming he's like way taller than her. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things. You've known Mrs. Yu for quite a while since you moved into this part of Pain Town in the neighborhood. Not many people buy her flowers, but she does some pretty amazing work and somehow she manages to keep afloat. And she's always think of her as like the neighborhood grandma where she's always she always does stuff for people. If you're sick, she'll come by. She'll give you soup. She is always in charge of the neighborhood dinners and things like that. At this point, basically, she is like the matronly 
figure of this particular block of Paint Town. And you just so happen to be one of her quote unquote children. She makes sure are doing all right. <laughs> I just made her up and I'm already in love with Mrs. You. <laughs> Mrs. You. The mother of Paint Town. Grandma Paint Town. I love it. Exactly. Grandma Paint Town. Grandma Paint Town. Don't get Grandma mad. <laughs> oh, boy. Alrighty. So, Mac, you hail a cab. And as you get in, you tell the driver to take you to the other side of the tracks of where you are to the Black Keys Stadium, where your girlfriend is going to perform her last stop on her most recent world tour. And so she decided to play her last show of the tour back where it all started for her in her hometown. So as the taxi makes its way across the tracks to the Black Keys Stadium, the camera disappears from your taxi, Mac. And as the taxi passes the precinct, the camera kind of focuses a little bit more and starts to zoom in closer of said precinct. So everyone in Paintown, of all the precincts, this one is the most famous or infamous, depending on who you are and how you look at it. And this precinct is located straight on Avenue Sticks. So this is the Avenue Sticks police precinct. And as the camera pushes through the door, and it weeds and waves its way through the different police officers doing various things. The camera pushes through the back door to a fenced off area in outside of the precinct where we see a couple of officers with their different canines. But then it focuses in on one specific officer, Frederick. Can you give us a little bit of a description of what your character looks like and what they're currently doing with the canine dog? Yes, currently, Friedrich Stein, forgive me, Friedrich Krupp is, I'll say this, he's second generation German, so he still has somewhat of a thick accent at times. But even though he's only been at the precinct for three, maybe four years, He's done quite well, and he has rose up. Instead of being a corporal by this time, he's actually rose up to the rank of sergeant. Now, recently, he ended up losing his former canine, canine partner. So at the moment, he's just hanging around the, he's hanging around the yard at the precinct, helping the newer handlers learn how to really work with their dogs. So. At the moment, he's probably he's probably just standing around the yard. He's got a clipboard and making sure everybody's following the protocols and make, uh, making sure all the dogs, uh, all the little doggies are happy. But you can clearly tell us that he loves his job, but he's also really distraught because he, he misses his canine partner. So at the moment, he's a canine officer without his canine. So he feels incomplete. Oh, uh, man. I'm going to love this already. <laughs> As you are helping the other officers, help them train and develop that synchronous relationship with their canines. One of the officers from the back door pops their head up. Friedrich? Yeah, yeah. 
We have a new canine recruit. Handler or actual canine? Actual canine? Okay, okay. Remember how at the briefing earlier this week, Chief told us that we were going to get an infamous visitor? Yeah, yeah, I remember him saying that. It seems that the Black Shadow has made its way here now. I'm sorry, can you repeat that, please? So we're the precinct that's gonna have him now. As this officer oh. looks distraught. But yeah, there's one other thing about that, too, that I don't want you to freak out, but since technically you're the only officer that has no canine partner, by default, you're going to be the handler of the Black Shadow now? Yay? I, I turn and I look at the other uh, canine handlers out with the with their dogs. I think that'll do it for today. So you go on ahead and uh, t take your canines inside. Uh, let them get used to being around the other people. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to have my hands full for quite some time. So, yeah. Whenever you're ready, we can bring him here. And I guess by that time, the other handlers looked at each other and looked at their dogs and made their way in, uh, into the building now. I guess bring him out. Alrighty. Once again, congratulations. And hopefully this one doesn't kill you like it did the other three handlers from other precincts. And just quickly goes back in and shuts the door. <laughs> As I'm standing there, I... I fix up my uniform I just basically put on like a stone face so for whenever I so for whenever everything goes down I want to look like nothing phases me I've seen all of this before alright so as you steal yourself or whatever could possibly come through that door you don't have to wait for too long because the moment arrives and as the door swing open waiting anticipating for the infamous Black Shadow, which has traveled through all of the precincts as one of the most dangerous and hard to control dogs for any canine officer to work with. As you steal yourself, things begin to slow down a little bit. And just in the most dramatic fashion, the doors just slowly begin to swing open. You can feel your heart and your chest just begin to rapidly beat. The sweat from your temple slowly drips down your head. And as the doors finally swing fully open, you are met with an interesting sight. Where you had pictured a very gruff looking, monstrous and dangerous dog, you just see this happy little Rottweiler who is just running, making, walking its way towards you. And it stops at your feet. It sits, looks up at you with its tongue out, wagging its tail. You know, you actually look quite sweet. And then it cocks its head, looking at you with its puppy eyes. It's like, just taking you in. Ooh, who's this? <laughs> I just drop down to my knee and I slowly start like rubbing his ears and at the same time I also look at his, his name tag okay as you look at the name tag you've known that it is called the black shadow that is the name that all the precincts have given it but to give 
this dog name on his tag, crossed out a few couple of letters, but from what you can make of it, it seems to spell out the name Cerberus. But there's a couple letters missing. It's like C R B R S, like Cerberus. The rest of the letters are just like scratched out or da- the tag is damaged. That's what you can make out. This little black Rottweiler is just as you're scratching its ear, like you can hear its tail just pounding on the floor. Happy. <laughs> I'm looking at his name tag. And if I look up, do I see any other officers like kind of peeking around the doors? Is he dead yet? Oh, yeah. You, you hear Officer Malone from Traffic Division from the background of a couple officers sticking their heads out the window. Oh, man, I, I'm like, Officer Ramirez, I want my 20 bucks back. You said he would be dead within five minutes. No, Ramirez went on pizza. He's like, damn it, Ramirez. <laughs> it's only been three minutes. Give us some time. As I hear that, I just look at Cerberus, and I'm guessing something just kind of clicked. And I give him that look. It's, we need to put on a show for them. So... Being a being canine handler, I had already had one of those wraps that go around their arm for whenever the dogs bite, it doesn't actually hurt. Kind of bring that arm around, and I kind of give them like a look, like I want you to attack me, make it look bad. Okay. <laughs> so what you're telling me here, Friedrich, is that you are gonna go toe to toe with said dog and put on a show. Yes. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. Oh, no. <laughs> you. Are, I want you to first, I want you to take a look at your character sheet, and I want you to tell me what specific power tags do you think apply to making this a successful showing as a canine officer in your training? <laughs> training? Realistically, any of your power tags, but we're going to go back and forth and you got to tell me how it applies because I might say yes, but I might also say no. <laughs> like I was saying, being a handler, we have access to those uh, those like arm and leg pads to help keep us from getting hurt, uh, too, too badly hurt. And at the same, also, I've got the tag for man's best friend. So man's best friend, yeah, they want to play. And also with the standard equipment being canine, we got those pads. So there's a level of protection there. And plus where he'd been a canine officer for a while, training the other canine uh, handlers, he has seen how several different uh, breeds of dogs would react to like grabbing a hold of someone's arm or being told to, to grab someone or to hold someone. Okay. All right. So with that being said, then that will definitely count. So with that, you are going to take your two six-sided die, your 2d6. You're going to roll, and then you're going to add that bonus of one because you are invoking a power tag to give you that. So go ahead and roll, and we'll see how successful you are. So you said plus one, yeah? Uh, Whatever I roll, plus one. Then that would be 11. Damn, you're off to a good start. Loki, I wanted it to... Listen, what you will come to understand is that I like it when players fail, but only because... Not because I want you to fail, but sometimes narrating the failures is a lot funnier than narrating the successes. 
hey, if you think about it, we're causing other people to lose a bet. <laughs> that is true. Double or so, nothing? <laughs> double or nothing. You're like, hey, make it $40. Dollars. <laughs> you just hear these two officers. I will make it a hundred. I will make it a hundred bucks and I will wash your patrol car for a month. <laughs> you hear another guy. It's like, I got three to one on the dog. I got three to one. I got four to one. <laughs> Alrighty. So with an 11, with an 11, this is basically, this is a great success. So I want you to narrate this success. What kind of show do you put on? And how does it amaze the officers who are onlookers at this point? Well, one, him being a... Ro how Exactly how old is Cerberus? Is he like two years old, three years old? I would say he's is he around... Is he like a full-sized, uh, full-grown Rottweiler? Yeah, I would say he's about mm, four or five years old. Okay, so he's a big... He's a good... He's a good-sized boy. Okay, so even though Friedrich is pretty good pretty stout guy who of course he's german he's only second generation german he's a stout guy but this rottweiler is also a real big dog so while i'm hearing ramirez and malone all of them it's yeah i got 20 bucks that that dog is just gonna rip into shreds and all that i just yeah. give Cerberus a look yeah it, oh it's it, it's 100 now okay but anyways i give Cerberus kind of a look and instantly we have a connection so as I start to move my arm into position, he just punches down, just and he just starts getting all mad. As he lunges at me, I bring my arm up with that padding on, and it looks like he's just thrashing all over. He's almost dragging me across the, well, not across the yard, but he's dragging me around. And I'm giving these horrible shrieks. I'm like, it sounds like I'm dying. So I'm wanting everybody in the precinct to be like, Oh my god, we need to get him. And as soon as everybody starts running to help, Cerberus just stops. And he just sits down, his tail's wagging, his tongue's hanging out. And I just sit back and I just look at him. I look at everybody else, then back at him. And I just give him little chin scritches. Good boy. That's a good boy. The dog did attack. Where's my hundred bucks? <laughs> no, that's a technicality. <laughs> oh, Really? Hang on, was on a second. Hang on a second. I heard deal. someone say the $100 is the dog eats me. Clearly, he did not eat me. So, does that mean I won the bet? You didn't put the money on yourself. It's like <laughs> Officer Malone is just steaming at this point. Fine. I will give you the money later, okay? <laughs> I cannot believe I lost. Stupid black, stupid shadow. You're dog thing you're supposed you were supposed to let me win <laughs> and when he hears stupid dog Cerberus just just hunches down starts snarling so Malone, you better get back into your office right now so Friedrich just pat him good boy so as you go down to pet him he's still snarling at this point but there's something that catches your eye with this one as you kneel down to pat him and tell him that it's okay after Officer Malone's uh, stupid outburst, you see that Cerberus's eyes are now no longer the same hazel brown that they were as you first saw him. That now they are a bloodshot red. And that you start, 
you swear that you start to see black mist kind of start to uh, emanate from this dog, from this Rottweiler. And at the moment that you pet him and tell him that it's okay, his eyes turn back to that same hazel color and that black mist dissipates. <laughs> oh, I just kind of lean in and whisper to Cerberus. I'm like, you've got some swigs up your sleeves, don't you, boy? And Cerberus kind of just licks your face. <laughs> Good boy. So as the officers are making their way back inside, the one that told you that the guest was here comes up to you. Well, I can't believe you actually did it. Good job. Thank you. I think this one's going to, uh, I think he's going to be all right. I think so, too. Before there you is say one thing. Go for it. For a little bit, keep a bit of a distance between the Cerberus here and and my lung. Thumbs up. I don't think, I just jokingly kind of pat Cerberus on the back. I don't think Serby here likes, uh, likes my lung too much. No one kind of does at this point, but. I mean, well, that, yeah, I know he's a bit of an arse, but but you know what I'm saying. Just kind of keep a little bit of distance from him. I don't know why you're telling me. You can tell whatever. I to guess be, I to, will... be fair, to be fair, he doesn't listen to a lot of people. And that's good for me. And he owes me money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... yeah for that little dog and pony show. And also, I think we need to get service a new tag. This one here is a little scratched up. We need to get him a new one. And saying that, I pull out a little notepad and I write down verse nice and clear on the, the pad and I hand him the paper because uh, he, he's probably got to pass back through a couple of desks where uh, they would turn that in to get him a new tag. And also, where he's now going to be a police canine. He's got to get the the vest and the, the patches. So we want to make sure everything's spelt right. That is true. Oh. Friedrich, there's one more thing. The Black Shadow... Sorry, Cerberus. <laughs> he's gonna, if he's going to be a part of this precinct, I need to treat him as family and not the killer monster that we heard him claim to be. <laughs> Both is a good option. True. But there is one more thing. The officer who dropped him off also wanted me to give you this. Apparently, it's Cerberus' whistle. Don't ask me why this he needs he needs this special whistle and not just a regular one, but he comes packaged with Cerberus. And as this officer hands you the whistle, Friedrich, what should be a normal, like regular standard issued uh, dog whistle is silvery metallic in color. Very basic. It's nothing fancy or anything like that because it's a dog whistle its purpose is to get the attention of the dog this particular dog whistle is still metallic but instead of that silvery color it is now coated in like this gradient like onyx black with what you can swear is engraved with different styles and different shit sizes of flames all over it. And so this officer just hands it to you. Yeah, it's a little bit gaudy in my opinion, but I was told to give it to you. So 
apparently Cerberus only will listen to this one. I don't know why, but I'm not going to stick around to find out. That is uh, definitely not standard issue, but I like it. Then I will leave you and Cerberus to whatever you and a canine dog do. I don't know. <laughs> I just I work in the traffic division. Cars are my thing. I don't know anything about animals. <laughs> uh, that's to be fair. But I guess I'm going to have to go back from uh, patrol cars back to see the SUVs again. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, about that. And before this officer can say anything, two more officers from the back walk in and walk up to you, Friedrich. And it's just like, you're still alive. Glad to see it. (laughs) If you guys need me, Maria, I'm going to go back to my work on the computers. Bye, everyone. (laughs) As the officer just like fast walks out of there. (laughs) Oh, geez. So, Friedrich, these two new officers that approach you, these two all two in fact the three of you have known each other since your academy days so standing in front of you is two officers one female and one male the female officer outside from the astounding features that she's in a police woman's uniform she is stout and a little bit short definitely a lot shorter than you she is Around her head, she is wearing a gunsgat, which is a traditional kind of shawl that women from India tend to wear. And she also has the jewel kind of coming down at the center of her head and then rests in the middle of her forehead. So she looks at you and she's so you ain't dead. Good job, Friedrich. I knew you can do it. You could tell she's being super sarcastic, but in a good way. <laughs> I'm sorry that whatever bet you put for me to get killed. I'm sorry you had to lose that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Remember, oh, we know that ever since <laughs> I told you I wanted to go to cane, uh, with canines, you said that I was going to get eaten. Sorry to disappoint you. Eh, it's fine. If you did get eaten, yes, I would have won some money. But then again, me and Officer Quinn here, we would be at a loss without you. And then Officer Quinn now finally speaks up. So Officer Quinn uh, is a taller gentleman. It's funny because on the surface, he doesn't look all that intimidating. He's not like super built. He's fit. And his facial features give off like this giant like teddy bear kind of aura going on. Oh, I just want to pinch his cheeks. He's the sweetest dude ever. But you, the, Friedrich... The kind of officer where whenever the grandma would look and say, oh, aren't you just cute as a button? I still am a police officer. Stop <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Very well, Friedrich. That Officer Quinn, he is a softie on initial kind of inspection, but when it's go time, he is very skilled. And he speaks up yeah, Friedrich, come on. That Officer Das over here, she uh, she tends to be a little extreme when it comes to this kind of stuff, but then again, she hasn't changed since the Academy days. Whew, I'm still surprised the three of us managed to get through all that together. Hey, I told you you would make it, didn't I? I told you to push yourself, and you did. And look, four years later, we're still here. That is true. But uh, yeah, did you give any 
thought to what we asked you earlier today. Did you want to go out with us after our shifts is over to the local jazz lounge thing? I don't know. I'm new to the city. I'm still trying to get terminology right. I know what you mean. It's still... I'm still trying to get used to this place. and I've been on a street more than you have. But I, I, I don't really know if, if I should go. Now getting Cerberus here. I'm going to have to get everything ready back at my home to the, for another dog. and I, I, I just don't know if it's in the cards or not. Plus the, and as he just looks down at Cerberus, his his hand gets that like little nervous movement, like he's he's rubbing his fingers. And I just, <laughs> and not really nervous, but like whenever he gets kind of stressed or whatever, he gets these like little ticks or whatever, like rubbing his fingers or tapping his his pant legs or something. Okay. I, as you're doing that, Friedrich. Coming from behind Officer Das and Officer Quinn is the all-too-familiar voice that all three of you are aware of, and in a deep, bellowing voice, Come on, Friedrich. You got to have a little fun out on the town. You work too hard, and you need to just learn to relax a little bit. And standing behind the three of you is the all-familiar sight of Chief Police... Uh, the Chief of the Sticks, Precinct 1, Miss Chief Mason Berthold. And he comes walking over to you. If it's this new ally of ours that you have to worry about, I can take care of it. Go on, go with Officer Quinn and Officer Dawes. Have a good time. What do you think, Cerberus? Cerberus just looks at you, tilts its, his head a little bit, then just, what you could possibly equate as a smile but is just wagging it, his tail and just tongue out alright alright I'll I'll go with you guys we'll, we'll go don't worry I will take care of everything and as as Chief Berthold passes you um, Friedrich and gets a hold of Cerberus Officer Dawson Officer Quinn in their giddy excitement go to get ready and change into their street clothes out of their uniform into their normal wear. And as you begin to leave, Chief Berthold tells you, now Friedrich, have a good time tonight, but tomorrow morning, stop by my office. I want to talk to you about something. You're not in trouble, but I might have an assignment that suits you and Cerberus quite well. Alright, so first day with the new canine, and already we're getting specific jobs. This is going to be an interesting week. <laughs> but don't worry, Chief. I'll be here at 6 a.m. as usual. But until then, go have a good time, and make sure you three stay out of trouble. And he just gives you this, like, biggest, cheesiest, like, grin he possibly can. <laughs> oh, come on, Chief. Better than to smile. You look frightening. No. But I can't help it. It's part of this charm, isn't it, Doss? Yeah, it does. But now that you're coming with us, I cannot wait to show you around. And she begins to explain exactly the details of what's going to happen tonight, where you guys are going, all that kind of stuff. 
And as you guys are walking your way back to the lockers to change, the camera leaves the precinct and it goes back to a familiar uh, former Irish mobster kind of making his way back home. <laughs> so at this point, it's a little bit towards 8 p.m. The sun has finally set. The stars have finally filled the sky to give that ever gleaming and pierce through the darkness that is the night sky. And Corey, as the sounds around you begin to slow down, there's less people out and about. More cars are beginning to be less and less frequent on the streets. You find yourself in a relative kind of tranquil silence as you're making your way home with the echoes and the sounds of your foot hitting the pavement with each step being your only companion. As you continue to make your way home, you are stopped by one of the billboards that you constantly see throughout the city. This one advertising the new play that is coming to town pretty soon. What's it called? In this case, it is Phantom of the Opera. That deals with the mechanics of the game. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> so, Corey, as you reminisce and as you take in the sight of the Phantom of the Opera billboard, you are taken back a quite bit, a couple, quite a bit, a couple years back in time, where you find yourself still looking at the same billboard with the same Phantom of the Opera poster. This time, though, it is a younger Corey, and you are not alone. Coming from behind you, Corey, you just hear a voice. If you stare at the bloody thing for long, I'm pretty sure you're going to pierce some holes in it. Yes. But no. Yes. <sighs> Come on, Cory. If we don't hurry, we're going to be late. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm sorry. And so as you turn around to make sure that you keep whoever it is talking to you from getting more agitated, as you turn around, you see the familiar sight of a one, a young woman. She's wearing a kind of in some black pants. Her kind of light reddish ginger hair tied up neatly in a braid just flowing behind her. She it has a toothpick kind of sticking out of her mouth wearing these god-awful black combat boots for whatever reason that don't go with anything else that she's wearing. And as you are <laughs> staring at her, you know this to be Renata, your wife. If we're going to see it, you could have worn something a little bit nicer. Come on, Cory. I'm not a f the fancy type. I know. I'm not that fancy either, but I still get, get dressed for these things. Ah, uh, but I'm not, Cory. I... 
And besides, and she walks up and then just takes your hand. As long as I'm with you, love, it's all that matters to me. Damn to be what we look like. And she clings onto your arm closer and the two of you begin walking towards the theater. And she, at this point, as you guys are making your way, Cody, I've been thinking. I know you said that your line of work is a lot that you would want to continue to, but have you reconsidered what we talked about expanding our little operation here? It's just me and you right now. But think about it. We could always have more if you know what I'm saying. If you really want it, I will retire. She melancholily looks at you. She's like, I would appreciate that, Cory, but you would need to be ready on your own terms. As much as I want it, I don't think I can live with if this isn't what you want and if it makes you not live your life with a purpose. I can wait a little bit longer, but I think it has to be when you're ready in order for you to truly be on board with it. You know, the more I'm fine with it. For me, it's, I made a promise. <laughs> the old man taught me to keep the promises you make. I might be breaking it a little bit by retiring, but if that's what gets me happiness and makes you happy, I will do it. Then how about this, Cory? And she stops the two of you walking and she grasps both of your hands and she looks into your eyes, Cory. If it'll make you feel better, maybe you can make a promise to me. And then technically you wouldn't be breaking any promises because you are uh, just honoring a different one. What's the promise? <laughs> she cheerfully looks in at you, Cory, and without wasting any breath, she says, Just promise me that no matter what happens, you never lose yourself to that pain and to that darkness. I promise you that I And she just quietly smiles and says, It's almost showtime, so if we don't hurry, we're going to miss the show. Oh, oh, yes. And she takes your hand and begins dragging you down the street towards the theater. And at this point, the memory begins to fade and uh. you find yourself back into the present day staring at this said billboard for Vantum of the Opera. Corey's gonna let out a little bit of anger slash sadness slash emotional. He's gonna go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the billboard's base. Oh my gosh! And this is how, it makes yeah, sense. Some, there's gonna be several tags involved with this. Oh jeez. <laughs> because I'm also adding weakness tags. Alright, tell me what tags you're incorporating in this toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Super strength, sturdy, sh shape change. <laughs> Dog does club, yeah. Jeez Louise. Alrighty. And, and I'm going to weakness tags of... I'm getting too old for this. And the one and only, it's still heavy. Alright, so... So I, get, so I only get plus one. Yeah, because it cancels... But yeah. But here's the unique thing about this. For anyone in the... This is our character talk right now. 
you use your weakness tags to gain attention, which upgrades your stuff, so. Yes. The more. <laughs> let's see. All right, let's go to toe with the base. Alrighty. So, with the sevens, it's definitely a soft success. So, you are basically you are able to do what you want to do but there's going to be some complications with it which we'll get into a little bit but for now Corey, describe how you go toe to toe with the billboards base <laughs> Corey just is okay i've got to keep this promise i've got to do something real quick she changes he, cha he changes the cable she's been using this entire time turns into a baseball bat and he just whacks the base as hard as he can because the structure of this billboard's base, you're not going to topple it over. You do make, manage to make a good-sized dent into it. However, as you are wailing on this base, a patrol car passes by and then stops near you. O'Reilly turns into a wooden ring and start sprinting. <laughs> okay, you're just gonna run? <laughs> this is, is O'Reilly. He's not yeah. getting... He, he's big... He's an, he's an ex-mobster. I don't know how unknown he is in the law, but... <laughs> just... O'Reilly's fast, but he's gonna try. Oh, jeez. Alrighty. No, I will just say you just start sprinting and then the... Police cars, just the officer sticks his head out the window. Oh, Riley, wait! And just like sirens on it's like, and just starts chasing you as he gets out of the car and starts chasing you down the street. It's oh, Riley! What? Just <laughs> be like, why are you running? Why yeah, who I run? am? Why <laughs> you know what I do? That's true, but I'm just here to pass a message along. Don't make what? me run. What message? Winnie wants to know when you're coming home. Right now, actually. Good. And I, I did my part. And uh, we're going to pretend that I didn't see you well on the, the, the board. Why. I, I, I can just picture somebody seeing that. <laughs> I'm just here to pass the message. Why? I was going to know when you're going to be home. <laughs> right now, actually. <laughs> okay. So this officer, Corey, is just okay i don't you don't have to be so threatening i'm not gonna say anything but all right sorry kid it's just the way of the trade i have to do it you gotta uphold an image for example cops can't just beat up an innocent person they have to beat up some, someone guilty that's normally how it works but i also and there are the kids, corrupt cops to be found yeah but anyways i I just wanted to pass the message as long as all. And Corey, as you look at this officer, instinct just kicked in, so you weren't really paying attention when you saw a cop car just stop by. This officer, as Officer Parker, who, for whatever reason, you and him have a working relationship, but he's not a corrupt cop. He's actually one of the few good ones left in the city that you happen to be fond of and that officer parker also happens to be danny's older brother <laughs> oh yes oh yes you should you should encourage and encourage danny a little bit more 
I mean, in terms of what, oh, Corey? <laughs> I think I might be a boss, and I'm not that good at it, to be honest, but it's when he, like, he made it, shut up. What I said was a lot of stuff like how to clean up the place, but let's be honest, I'll place to do that. But, like, just after he messed up a little bit, got all scared, riled up about it. Ah, I see what you mean. And Officer Parker just crosses his arms a little bit, looks at you more solemnly, Corey, and is just and begins to tell you it's a working process, Corey. I don't think he I don't think he's processed everything that happened. And I am forever grateful for what you did for me and Danny. Especially when it came to making things right with the passing of our father. But you have to understand, it's going to take a while, especially for a young kid like him to process everything that he saw that night. Trust me, there's still a lot of stuff which, even at my age, I'm still trying to process. I can only imagine, not only did we lose our father, but technically you lost yours that night too. Yeah, about... A couple of weeks from now, if I can get everything set up, we might have a potluck. Do you want? Uh, do you want to see if you can get off then? If you let me know when, if it's more ahead of time, I'm pretty sure I can make something work. I do oh. have a couple of favors some of the other officers owe me anyway, so I don't think it'll be an issue. Plus, well, I think Danny would like to hang out with the girls again. Yep, we'll see then. I appreciate it, Corey. And Officer Parker furls his arms and sticks his hand out. O'Reilly shakes, shakes it. Oh, yes. If you ever see me go down a worse path, I don't care what I say at that point. Make, make sure you, you follow the law. Always. And Officer Parker just shakes your hand and says, You have a good night, Corey, and I'll see you at that potluck. Oh, do you want me to bring the champorado again that I made last time? That was delicious, yes. <laughs> I figured you would want that, and me, me and Danny will make sure to bring it. <laughs> All right, you have a good night, Corey, and tell the girls that Officer Parker says hi. And with that, Officer Parker walks back down the street, gets in his car, and then drives off. To continue his beat patrol. As Corey slowly walks, as the ring turns back into the cane, Corey holds his side. Ah, okay. Hey, <laughs> I should have kept on thinking about exercising. Should have stopped for that week. <laughs> All right, Corey. So as you continue to walk, before you get back to home where your girls are currently waiting, you do have to. You do live on the more nicer side of town. And as you're continuing walking, you make your way past the Black Keys Stadium. So as you continue your way onward to home, the camera shifts its focus from you, Corey, and then begins to zoom and make its way through Black Keys Stadium. It's as the camera zooms into the stadium, just sees multiple people crammed pack in the Black Keys open arena, just losing their minds with 
rock and roll music playing on stage is the famous band that has skyrocketed in the music world within the last year or two known as hep alien <laughs> so to give a frame of reference and we agreed upon this as a group but also talking to wes that hep alien their aesthetic is basically similar if you are familiar with the old school scooby-doo movies they are essentially the hex girls an all girl rock band that has just made its mark on the music industry and has been nominated for a couple of major awards this upcoming award season and they've only dropped their debut album <laughs> so as the audience is losing their collective shit hep alien is closing out their set with their first single that has gone multiple times platinum and as the set closes the lead singer looks out to the audience just says we love you so much thank you for uh, this awesome tour thank you for supporting us and until then have a good night <laughs> and just the audience is just like, we love <laughs> and just losing their minds mac you are actually on stage as well but you are behind the curtain off to the side so you are you got a good front row seat to your girlfriend just finish up her last stop on the world tour for Hep Alien. So as the girls leave the stage and make their way, Jean just catches your eye with bouquet in hand and she kind of just giddily runs up to you and just gives you a big old hug and then a big old kiss on the cheek did you like the show babe oh, of course i did every single time i never <laughs> that song never gets old no matter how many times i hear it it never gets old ah uh, you're just saying that but i appreciate it nonetheless and she just gives you another kiss locking lips this time what would i do without you i don't want to know and i'm not gonna ask so i'll take it for what it is take it for what it is <laughs> You're learning. I love it. <laughs> and she stops embracing you for a bit and she sees the flowers. And you can tell in her face that she does an excellent job of being this fearless leader of this punk band, this punk rock band. But she is the sh like brightest shade of red possible in this moment she is redder than a candy apple at this point and she just uncontrollably starts to smile babe you didn't have to do all this i was only going to get you one to be 100 percent honest with you but <laughs> mrs you wanted me to give you the flower she picked out for you that's just way too many that's made too many of use if you ask me but they're yours enjoy she wants to see you again by the way throwing that out there as much grief as I gave her and me and my bandmates gave her when we were practicing, she always said that we could just keep going even when all those record labels told us no. She's, she's good for the good advice, not going to lie to you. She's always there for good advice. Sometimes. <laughs> most times. Yeah. And I'm sure you're treating her right. Always. Every single time. Always treating her the best I can. Of course you are. And she just kisses you on the cheek. In all seriousness, I appreciate it, babe. This is the sweetest thing. And this is the best gift I could receive. 
now that the tour is over. Yep, I didn't expect that. I thought they were just flowers. Nothing fancy, nothing, nothing important. She takes you by the hand, Mac. Come on, let's go somewhere quieter. My dressing room's not too far from here, so... Let me just finish up with the girls, do some last interviews with the press, but I will be back shortly, and then I'll meet you there. And as she says that, she takes her fingers in the walking motion, kind of, I will see you there, and then just begins to walk off with the rest of her bandmates. And so her bodyguard, who you come to know, Reginald, (laughs) his government name is Reginald, but... Your girlfriend and the rest of the crew call him Ronnie for short. So Ronnie just steps up (laughs) and is just, Mac, you know the drill. I got to do what I got to do first just to make sure it's my job. But I know you don't have anything, but I do need to pat you down real quick. All right. Next time you're buying me dinner, you know this, right? Oh, come on, Mac. I'm taken, but I'm pretty sure. I'm sure Pete would be happy to for us to have another dinner date together with you and the missus. No problem. We'll call it fair. <laughs> call it even. As you guys are having this conversation, just as expected, nothing too exciting, just plain old you. <laughs> All right. I will lead you to the back. <laughs> and Ronnie begins to lead you back to the dressing room. And as you walk in, Mac, you have seen this site a couple of occasions throughout the years of being involved with your with Jean. Her dressing room is similar to your apartment in the sense that it's organized chaos. <laughs> you just see m- like multiple costume pieces laying around on the corner of a floor. Her makeup station is just cluttered with different used like lipsticks and makeup wipes and all kinds of stuff. The thing that catches your eye, though, and it always brings a smile to your face, is on her dressing room mirror, she has a collage of different photographs. These photographs range from her and her bandmates when they were first starting out to some of the crew like Ronnie and the manager who has she has grown close with throughout her music career. But always at the center of this collage is a picture of you and her on your first date when you guys went to the now uh, defunct amusement park at the boardwalk in Paintown on the few days that she had off before being super busy recording her album and everything. And she always, always makes sure that it is front and center And in the back of your head, you can hear what she said to you that day. No matter what happens, as long as I'm with you, you will always be the center of my universe. Big old smile comes across his face (laughs) every time he sees it. (laughs) And as that big old smile spreads across your face, the door behind you opens and in comes Jean. She is now out of her uniform of what her costume and now she's just more relaxed she has like sweatpants on her hair is now tied into a messy side ponytail going on kind of situation her makeup is still fully on but now she's just wearing the jeans and just like a oversized hoodie 
and just walks up to you. Now, where were we? And she just takes you by the hand and walks you over to the couch that's there. And she sits you down. Now, love. Yeah. What'd I do? Oh, I don't necessarily think it's what you did, but we do need to talk about what happened at the last stop that you were at. Oh, okay. Okay, we're going to be talking about that. Okay. Um, sorry in advance. (laughs) Oh, please. You don't have to apologize to me. In fact, I appreciate it. That fan got a little crazy and things got a little hectic there. But I was glad that you were there to quell the situation. I tried to do my best. No way around it. <laughs> no, and I love it that the, you will always protect me. But I do have some questions about what I saw. <laughs> he like just stares off into space for a second and goes, Questions, yeah, I figured they'd be coming. Just, so what questions you got? For starters, and I could be wrong on this, but I swear that I saw as you were manhandling this crazed fan, you started gaining more hair on your arms, I guess is the best way to put it. And then the color of your eyes changed. And I also noticed that your baseball cap that you were wearing started to slightly begin to raise and start to come off your head? I got, uh, let's see, I got no answers for that. Maybe lighting and, you know, jostling me around. I, so I don't know if I want to convince her. I, try, I don't want to try to lie to her about it, but I also don't want to tell her <laughs> the whole truth about that. Choices, choices. <laughs> almost want, I almost want to roll dice, but I don't want to, because I'm like, I don't want it all to be like lying to her. Okay, if I may intercede a little bit. So with the move to convince, it's not necessarily lying to her. You could be talking her into reassuring her that that there was nothing she needed to be worried about. And the whole situation was crazy. In fact, it was one of the few times that Ronnie wasn't around because he was dealing with something else. So technically, you're not lying to her. So I could use... I could roll to try to reassure. I could use uh, protective and... Yeah, I could just use protective as a... It's just the the way I work, the way I operate. Like reassure that there was nothing wrong and she didn't have to worry about what she saw. Okay. So then, yeah, so that will work. So I'm going to have you roll. So now, if you have, which power tags would you like to invoke to see if you can gain a little bonus? I'll go with uh, the the power tags protective, charming, and I'll throw the weakness tag of fear disappointment on there. That way, I don't want to say the wrong thing and mess it all up. And I'll also throw the weakness tag of bad timed joke. That way it all evens out and it's just straight die roll, but I get to use some stuff there. I love it. And then you get attention to those two that you invoke the weakness tag on. I love it. <laughs> Alrighty, so then it's just a straight roll. So 2d6 and see right. what happens. Eight. Okay. 
So with an eight, that is a soft success, which you will succeed with some complications. So here's what happens. As Gene remembers exactly what happened, and then you tell her that that you don't necessarily have an answer to that. She looks at you and she says, if it's something that you don't want to tell me, that's fine. I respect your privacy and I love you no matter what. But you are going to need, we are going to need to have this talk at some point. And from behind her, she pulls out a small little bag and inside this bag are two things. One, there is a little bit, there is a patch of fur, the same color that matches your facial hair in the bag. And then a small piece of an, what looks to be an antler. It's not a huge size, but it's what happens when a young like grows its antlers and it falls off so it's just a small little piece and she hands it to you and says I don't need to know everything right now I just want us to enjoy our evening together but we are going to need to have this conversation Mac and now that I am done with Tor all my time can be spent with you we'll have that talk whenever I have more answers myself as soon as I figure more out I will tell you everything (laughs) I know Everything that I know, I will let you know as soon as I figure it out. This is all new and exciting. Maybe exciting is not the right word. Maybe terrifying, but we'll see what happens. Gene just gives you a small kiss on the cheek. Thank you. And with that, she just like stretches out and just collapses on the couch. I am so happy that we're finally done. The tour was, I loved it being on tour, but I am exhausted. At least you get to be home for a while. And I get to spend it all with you, but I'm hungry. Why do you say we get out of here? Ronnie will go take us to the diner that we like to go to. Yeah, no problem. I have absolutely no problem going there. Uh, I should probably get on something a little more better than just some sweats and an oversized hoodie. Give me a couple minutes. No, they're not going to judge us over there. You know that they don't mind what we come in. That's true, but... Yeah, you're right. And she's, eh, fuck it. What do we don't, who cares? <laughs> There's no need to get dressed up on my account. We're going to the fucking diner for Christ's sake. <laughs> and she just looks at you. One of the many reasons that I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Just maybe someday I'll take you somewhere fancy where I got to put on the nice pants. I look forward to that. But until then, I always say, as long as I'm with you, you are always the center of my universe center of my toys are all dead. And she takes you by the hand and she gingerly leads you alongside of Ronnie and you guys make your way to the back of the stadium where there is a chauffeur and a car waiting for you. Two of you step in to the car and then you begin making your way to the diner as the car passes the local jazz bar lounge the camera shifts focus from that car back to three familiar individuals three specific police officers if you will so as the camera 
kind of take center stage on this local jazz bar. Friedrich, you, Officer Dawes, and Officer Quinn, now in your regular civvies, are waiting in line with a couple other people to get into the jazz bar. Oh, shit. Is it... Is there always this kind of a line here? Or is there some sort of special occasion going on? Officer Dawes, now still wearing... So Officer Dawes still wearing her hut around her head, but now like in a nice little kind of maroon, like cocktail dress a little bit. It depends. Usually whoever has the stage for the night Sometimes it's small, sometimes it's large. I come here all the time. I'm a regular, but yeah. But tonight, I, I figured huh? I figured it would be uh, packed tonight, especially given for who is performing tonight. Who's the performer for tonight? Anything beyond that, I'm not too keen of that information. But it's Martha Ellis. She's a bit of a legend around here. Yeah, I come to think of it, I think I have seen her name in a few newspapers. Yes. Gonna be interesting. Actually, glad you two, uh, actually glad you two decided that you wanted to, uh, bring me along. <laughs> that is, uh, nice to put on a suit every once in a while. Yeah, you look quite nice, Friedrich. I've never seen you so cleaned up. And she just jokingly gives you a little dap on your arm. Uh, as I start to say something, I just ponder. I was gonna say something sarcastic, but, uh, Actually, it's true. It's pretty much the only time you ever see me. I'm in uniform. But yeah, do you, you look quite nice yourself. It's a, it's a good color for you. I appreciate it. And she just blushes. Officer Quinn at this point just still there as if you two are done. And just points with his hands to the line. Like, the line has moved. And you guys <laughs> are like, yeah. The line has moved and there's a big old gap in front of you. <laughs> Whoops. I turn towards everybody. Sorry, I don't get out much, so I... Sorry. Alrighty. So, the three of you make your way and you find your seats in this jazz bar. Which is, funny enough, the same one that Corey visited earlier in the day. And you guys are hanging out, reminiscing about the days in the Academy. Quinn is recounting a story of his love life and how... There's always seems to be a misunderstanding when it comes to his date, his blind dates. And he's reveling in a tale of one recently that had gone wrong. And basically his love life is the equivalent of a Three Stooges skit, <laughs> where it's just hap pants and just misunderstandings. And his good, he's too, he's a good boy and he's too good for this world. And that gets him in trouble with his love life. <laughs> And as the three of you continue your um, conversations and enjoying the time together, Friedrich, being a denizen of Pain Town definitely comes with its disadvantages, especially since you're not used to living in such a big metropolis of a city that is Pain Town. And even with it being densely populated with multiple amount of people, even in all that, you sometimes catch yourself stuck in that loneliness that being in a big city can offer. 
But for the first time in quite a while, as you are listening to Officer Quinn tell of his love's misfortunes and Officer Dawes just giving him shit and just the two of them making sure that you're having a good time, you feel at peace and you feel whole for the first time in quite a while. And as I mentioned, not being a denizen of Pain Town comes with its challenges, but you, my friend, have lucked out with two very good individuals who make you feel that moving here wasn't such a bad idea and that you actually found a connection to the city through those two. Definitely a good lease, and I decided to go with, uh, go into the police force. I couldn't ask for any better friends than you two. It, it's, it's strange that Pantown has so many people, but yet sometimes you can still feel so alone. But just knowing that you two have my bag, it means a Officer Quinn and Officer Dust look at you, and it grows a little bit quiet. But then they both smile at you, and Officer Quinn is, well, of course, Friedrich, the three of us, we're, um, whether we like it or not, we're stuck to each other. Shoot. But honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. You got me and Doss over here through the academy, and the three of us started as random roommates when we got there, and now we're just this trio of people who just want to see good done in pain town you two have definitely made it an interesting four years that's for sure da officer da speaks up at this point yeah you two haven't made it easy for me you haven't exactly made it easy for us too you know listen i already apologize but i told you he insulted my mother what did you want me to do i had to give him the good judo flip Yes, but off of a porch into a trash can? That's just adding insult to injury. Eh, he's still walking. He's fine. That's a little bit of brain damage, right? We got the information we wanted, so job well done for us. Yeah, job done is the job done. I mean, what's the, what details? You know, that's details. What's a concussion among friends? I'm just thinking like Super Smash Brothers is like new challenger approaching and it's like Mac has entered the fight. (laughs) Jim, don't interrupt other people's conversations. Sorry about that. (laughs) Anyway, we've been here for a little while now. Uh, I'm starting to get a little bit thirsty. Why don't we get something to drink, yeah? I mean, they're all good. Sure. Officer Quinn goes and says, I'll go get the drinks. The two of you... Just wait here. I'll be right back. And uh, if they have as, it, if they have any, some schnapps would be nice. You know, I'm not a beer person. Being German, it's weird not being a beer person, but yeah. I can always ask, but make sure it's good to go. Quinn walks over. It's just you and Dawes gets a little bit closer to you, Friedrich, and begins to, in a more whispered tone, just says. I, Quinn is a train wreck in his love life, but man. I wasn't going <laughs> to say anything, but uh, yeah. That train went into the river. There's, there's, there's no recovering it. 
Yeah, but his intentions are good, but yeah. yeah. The, the sure there's someone out there for him. I think so. But oh, anyways, to see though. tell me about it, but actually, Friedrich, there is... That's not what I wanted to talk to you about. So, earlier, when Cerberus got a little agitated, you noticed his eyes color change in that black mist, right? Yeah, I did notice that. I didn't know if it was just me seeing things, or but apparently you saw it as well, so there's something with that dog. So you can see beyond it, then. What do you mean? How do I explain? Ah, it's better if I show you. And yeah. Officer Das, she holds out her hand and she closes her eyes and opens them back up and that her eyes begin to change color and also begin to change weirdly enough shape as well her eyes go from a brown to an orangey hueish color and that her iris begins staying the same but now her iris begins to change and form a mandala pattern going across her irises and at on in the middle of her forehead where her jewel is just hanging slightly begins to glow too and then from her hand you just see a spectral kind of orangey energy emanate from her hand and surround her arm as you take a closer look inspection of it you can see that it has taken a form of kind of a piece of armor for her arm and then as the moment that it has appeared she quickly clenches her fist and it disappears with her eyes going back to that normal brown color and that orangey armor that was in front of her arm now has dissipated. And she says, when I was little, my grandma told me that there are people who are able to see beyond what she called the mist and that magic exists and that Things are not what they seem to be. Not from what I just saw. Not everyone can see that. Only a few select few who are able to see beyond the mist can see these strange things. And the reason I brought up Cerberus is because I wanted to test to see if you were one of those things. And I guess my hunch was correct definitely made tonight interesting i look around make sure nobody's like looking at us like look around what does this mean what thing are we talking about here as she begins to speak officer dawes sees officer quinn coming back struggling to carry the drinks back to the table she turns to you she says we'll talk tomorrow morning just don't say anything to quinn my lips are sealed Alrighty. Quinn, okay. ah, you made the bag, did you? <sighs> Barely. It's packed in here. But here are your drinks. Uh, there might be a little bit missing because I may have spilt a little on the way back over here. But for the most part, I think I did okay. Come on, hell, you're good. And as the three of you continue your drinks, 
the show begins. Martha Ellis, she is famous in Pain Town. She is a aging brunette woman in her mid 40s. She is right now she's wearing like a gaudy red velvet dress with the most obnoxious white fur lining on it. She takes Basically it off. Basically trying to be another Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, but it's not working out too well. <laughs> the appearance might be questionable, but once the piano starts to hit and she steps up to the microphone gingerly, she opens her mouth and for that evening appearances be damned, she is reaching your heartstrings and the audience is just taken aback and mesmerized by the what seems to be a kind of depressing atmosphere that she gives off when she sings. It's tugging at your heartstrings. People are crying in the audience. There's a heaviness that begins to build in your chest as each number passes. As the three of you are just listening, Friedrich, you notice an individual, a younger man, who is watching the same show as you are, but you notice that he is beginning to sweat profusely more, and his begins to sway a little bit as he stands up from his table, and he begins to make his way out the door, where after the current song is finished, Martha announces that there will be a short intermission and then with her coat back on, she gingerly walks off the stage through the audience and exits the same door as that same individual earlier exited as well. As you ponder about that a little bit, Dawes and Quinn refocus your attention and say, now Friedrich, we are off the clock right now. Whatever you saw, you're going to need to forget it. <laughs> How long have we known each other? I just can't just turn that off. Just but for one, just for one night, Friedrich, please. We don't get to we all three of us don't get to be off at the same time as we like we used to. <laughs> OK, I, I won't investigate. I'll just step outside, get a little bit of fresh air because lots of cigarette smoke in here. Just gonna five minutes. That's all. Just gonna go out for a breath of fresh air. Das looks at you and just says, looks, shakes her head, knowing full well that you're full of shit. <laughs> but she says, I give you two, I give you three and no more. <laughs> three minutes. That's fine. That's fine. Just nothing. Fine. Sweet. With this, <laughs> kind of stands up, straightens his coat, grabs his hat off of the table, and I make my way out the front door. Right. As you make your way outside of you know, Brick House, on the distance, you look to your, into your right, and you don't necessarily see anything. But then coming from one of the side alleys, you hear the familiar voice of Martha talking to someone. You don't know exactly who, but as you step closer to the alleyway, and just hang back around the corner. You peek your head out and that Martha is talking to the patron that you saw earlier. And Martha is holding this gentleman's hand and kind of in a position. 
she's sitting on a trash can while he's still standing. She takes him and this gentleman is just crying and she's holding him similar to the mother's embrace with one hand on the shoulder, one on the head, just patting, just be like, it's going to be okay. And just smiles is there, there, just let it all out. And he, this dude is just bawling. <laughs> is everything all right? Don't, don't worry, I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a police officer. I just want to make sure everyone's all right. Martha just turns to you. A police officer, you say? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Over to Precinct 13, yes. Yes, yes, everything's fine. This gentleman here's just having a rough night, but... I got uh, it covered. I got it covered, dear. Okay. I just wanted to make sure everyone was okay. With this, I slowly back away, step back into the club. The whole time, uh, as, as I walk into the club, I kind of pull out a, an old pocket watch out of my uh, jacket coat. <laughs> and I look over at Doss. Wait a minute. So, before you make your way back in, Martha kind of says, uh, if I may, what's your name? What's your name, young one? Cup. Sergeant Friedrich Cup. You're quite the lonely fellow in the city, aren't you? I have some friends, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm lonely. No matter then. If you're ever in the area again, come and stop by. Definitely would love to give you a private show. I'll think about that. And then with that, you walk in, and then we catch back up with Dawes. She just looks at you. You did three minutes, so I can't necessarily get mad at you. And at this See, point... I'm not completely full of shit. <laughs> this time. <laughs> so, Martha walks back in with this gentleman who is now more composed than what you saw him Friedrich a couple minutes ago. She walks back on stage. She continues the show, and the re you... Officer Dawes and Quinn, enjoy the rest of your evening. We cut back to a certain Irish ex-Irish mobster as he finally has made his way back to the house. Corey, just because I want all the details possible, can you please narrate what his house looks like? It's like a very big house. It's got an actual yard in the city, which is because most houses don't have a yard these days in this city. And it's like for where Corey works and then seeing this place, you're like, how does how does he own this place? And it's got the old Victorian slash modern look to it. And I do not know that's all I got at the current moment because I was thrown on the spot. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, so Corey, as you stare at the giant state of affairs that is your house, you make your way to the front entrance. And before you get a chance to put the key into the keyhole, the door just flings open. And behind the door are your two daughters, Eowyn and Winnie, who in their pajamas just bum rush you and crash into you through the front door. They're like, I would, yeah. <laughs> I would like to do this. I'd like to make a roll to see if he stays standing. All right, go for it. <laughs> Sturdy and super strength to give me the pluses. I'm going to use I'm getting too old for this again. That's the minus. <laughs> that is a 10. 
All right. So with a 10, that is a strong success. I, so, I, I wanted to fail so bad. <laughs> that would have been a great funny moment, but it's all right. So, Corey, as old as you are and as your body is not necessarily in the best of shape. Yeah, not in the best of shape. You are you have experience being bum rushed by your girls and you have gained the knowledge to withstand these teenagers running at you as you embrace them. Eowyn looks at you. you promised you would be home earlier and she gives you like a little pouty face. Uh, I'm sorry. That Auntie Isabel wanted me to come see her. And I was talking with P- with Parker. I'm so sorry. And Eowyn still she kind of turns her head, crosses her arms and still with the pouty face. And then Winnie walks up. It's just, you did say you would be home earlier. At least you're home now. I guess I've got to make breakfast for tomorrow then. And Aowink's just like, you'll make, and you'll put extra cinnamon in it? She kind of turns her head, like, expectedly. Yes. I will change the idea for the recipe then. And at this point, Aowink's just, that poutiness just quickly, like, melts away. And she's like, and just like hugs you again. <laughs> so what do you guys, what do you girls want to do now? It's our bedtime and we do need to go to school in the mornings, but we were waiting for you to return home. <laughs> I still don't know how I got lucky with you. Winnie, the older of the two is just, yeah, we know. <laughs> but she gives you a hug too and just, we're lucky to have you two dead. Same here. He's, is he's just gonna bear hug both of them. As you give them this bear hug, they each grab one of your arms and just gingerly walk you into the house, up the stairs to their bedrooms. Winnie goes to her room and she tells you, I'll wait for you in my room. And as it is with most nightly routines, you make sure that Aowit is always tucked in first that she takes the longest to go to bed since she is a younger but as Eowyn leads you into the room and she sits on her bed she looks at you Corey and she says daddy I had another dream again oh really what what was this one about I couldn't quite make out everything but there was some guy like like in a suit you wear sometimes and uh, he was holding like I guess some sort of cup and there was like this big tower behind him and the sky was all red and stuff like that but then like it started to rain and then it disappeared and then I just woke up and that was it Sometimes this, this is something one of the good things that my actual father taught me. Sometimes dreams let you see into the future. And they're just messages sometimes. But they always are intriguing. I guess Daddy, is this my magic? Like yours? Everyone has their own style. It could be yours. That could be us, but mine is all about strength and everything. Pits me! I don't know about yours. Everyone has their own. 
like Auntie Isabel's. Your mother's. We all have different ones, but I never... Well. And she just... With head, kind of just snuggles up to you and lays her head into your lap. Is going to tell Winnie? As I've tried, this thing that keeps us from talking about it, if it finally goes away and we're able, I will. But we'll have to wait and see. That's the curse of these edge gifts. Sometimes, even if you think someone has it, they might never find it. I guess. And Eowyn kind of just sits you. Is it? Are we bad people for not telling her? I don't think we are. I do keep many secrets. So that's just my view. I guess. And she gets up and goes properly underneath the covers, puts her head on her pillow, and just says, I love you, Daddy. And as you walk out of Eowyn's room, you turn the all-too-familiar corner to start heading to Winnie's room. But surprisingly, you see her kind of standing against the doorframe of her room, just looking at you intently and she says she had another dream again huh what was it about I wish I knew exactly the fourth story what it was about but it was about a, a man in a suit with a cup behind a tower you're not gonna tell me are you no I guess not Winnie just sighs and she turns half-heartedly back into her room and before she disappears out of the doorframe she says to you, Corey I wish that you didn't have to keep secrets from me, Dad Corey Knight because he, because he has to say this to himself he says to himself I wish I could not wish I could not and Winnie just walks past into her doorframe, closes her door, and she just leaves you alone in the hallway. Cory's gonna go out to the back. He's going to pre- he's going to practice up a little before he heads to sleep. So I'm gonna make another roll. That's the target this time. <laughs> this time... I think Corey has a shed in the back and he pulls out like a wrestling style like bike person. And this, this is how he trains. So no billboards this time. <laughs> Don't try to cause critical damage this time. Telephone pole, got it. He's going to be the first three again with the two weaknesses. The super strength, sturdy, and shape change with its heavy and old age. But I would like to throw in the tavern brawler brawler and veteran. Okay. Yeah, that's fine with me. No need for explanation. So that will give you a total. So four minus the two is a plus two. (laughs) Which would make this an 11. Okay. That's a very hard. That is a very, excuse me, hard success. 
So, yep. Corey, narrate how you successfully do this. <laughs> I, I think Corey will change the wooden ring back into the bat as he starts wailing, like hitting it, but as he keeps on going, he keeps on changing the shape, changing it to different items, and, and trying to get back into the groove like he was back in the day where he could move like fluid and not just worry about, oh hey, I only have a bat. It's more like I've got all, I've got I've got a cane, I've got a wooden ring, I've got other stuff I can do, maybe even throw a chair, because I don't have weapons, I only have shape change. So, that's what he's doing. Alright. So that's easy enough. So, the night continues to pass, and Corey, the camera kind of zooms out on you, continuing to practice. It goes over to Mac, who's finishing up his date with Jean, as he escorts her back home. And then the camera also catches a glimpse of Friedrich, Officer Dawes, and Officer Quid walking home as all three of you get settled in for the night, getting ready to drift off to dreamland. The last shot, camera cuts over and flies over to the Paintown Natural History Museum, where it enters the grand staircase and the doorway into the museum, where we see a kind of small gentleman very brawny, not brawny, very thin, like a twig, laboriously studying over a book and looking through pages of said book underneath a single lamp. As he is turning the page, this gentleman stops, looks up from his book and says, I need to call them. I need to let them know now Ugh, we're Things are about to get a whole lot interesting now. And that, my friends, is we are going to end episode one of Knights of Pain Town. Okay, time for the last bit of this game. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Remind me? <laughs> so in the Knights of Pain Town, after every session, we have basically a powwow. We're like, hey, I like what you did there. <laughs> okay, since you were so generously enough to remind me that. Why don't you go first, Echo? <laughs> okay. I really like how we see from Pete Preacher that, like, the first time we see someone actually awaken for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I was not expecting that. I was like, okay, we're all already awakened. Nope. Freshly awakened. I, lo I love it. <laughs> go ahead. And I really like how Jeff is just the most chill person in in the city. Yeah. I, I know, it's just, I'm like, I, I wish I had that attitude in real life. So, yeah, I, I wish I could use it, but I can't. It's a skill set. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. is. But yeah, I... See, I love Mac because I figure because when me and Wes were talking about it prior leading into this whole thing, like that's essentially what we got. But I'm just excited because he's fine right now. But then when push comes to shove, too, I can't wait to start. I, I can't wait. 
I can't wait for Sarah Nunos to make itself more known. <laughs> is all I'm going to say. <laughs> here's something which I got three attention. I get to level up the, the Irish Mafia. Oh boy, you're not going to make this easy for me. <laughs> here's the thing. I want to use It's Heavy for the last one. But I was like, I can't. There is no logical sense for me adding that to get two level ups. I have one. Mm-hmm. Good enough for me. I don't know what uh, I want to do with it. We could talk off screen, but oh, let's yeah, off screen. Yeah, let's go with you, Josh. What are some of the things that you liked in this episode? One, Mister Chill. There, I mean, I just loved. It. He was, he was just calm, quiet. He was like the living epitome of a teddy bear in this session. The Bairdstee Bear. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, I love it too. <laughs> and I also love the fact that you fought a billboard the moment a squad car shows up. You're like, I just want to talk to you about what? And then just immediately, okay. <laughs> it's like a GM's nightmare. It's, I want to punch the tree. I punched the tree. <laughs> yeah. I, I punched the tree. Why? I punched the tree. I, I don't know. And I love the fact that you said it's, you know, of the trade. I don't know what part of Irish Mafia involved beating the hell out of billboards, but that fit. <laughs> I loved it. It's gory. It's his way of the trade. Way <laughs> really? Of the trade. You say it's a GM's nightmare, and I was just like, okay, how do I make this work? I was like, okay, complication. I'm like, ooh, let's go with this. <laughs> I love it. What are you running I, from? I don't know yet. No. <laughs> that was I, awesome. I can just hear that meme though. Why are you running? Why are you running? But, but you actually have context. Alrighty. That just leaves us with Wesley. What were some of the things you enjoyed? <laughs> Personally, I really liked seeing Friedrich get awakened. That was very well done and very cool. I'm not going to lie. I am a huge fan of Corey beating the hell out of a billboard and then going home and beating up another inanimate object <laughs> on the surface it's just you know how things are now on the inside I want to punch everything it's exactly the way I'm looking at it. I was like Corey let's just I'm retired I'm calm cool and collect but I have on the inside vendetta against screaming intensifying it's an inanimate object and I have this thing against all inanimate objects I'm going to beat every single one I can see to be fair, it's just how I see it. It's like, Corey, I've got emotions. There's not a lot of people I can talk to. I'm just going to destroy objects for that. I'm just going to hit something. <laughs> yeah. It's worked for me in the past. It's going to work for me again. Oh my I'm going to throw it out there, too. I really enjoyed you know, Mike, you did a really good job running through. You did, Mike. You, you pulled that off very well. Tonight, Aww, thank you. Awesome. I loved it. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be a little bit self-absorbed. But I like how you didn't complain when any of us jumped in with a random person. So here's the thing. And you guys will learn more about this as we continue it on. Like, I the way my DM style is that I don't like to have 100. I do like to have control most of the time. That's my job description as a DM. But... You guys enhanced each like other individuals like plot in the sense and their location and things like that. 
And that's how I run my games is that I'm pretty freeform and you guys enhanced each other's scenes, which is something that as a DM, I value the most is because you're uplifting other people's play styles and their stuff. And it just makes this overall story better. And that was one of the things I really enjoyed. The other thing I really liked is because going into this, I was trying to figure out I want to give everyone what I feel is a fair shake of enough screen time. So that's why I bounce back and forth between people as the day was progressing. And so I also like that a lot of that was improv in the sense that you guys just took it and you ran with it of what I threw at you, which I was just like, let me see how they react to this. And I, you guys nailed it. Per- it was really amazing. Wanted, when, when Jeff met with the girlfriend during the concert, I, near the end, I really wanted to say, as some random friend getting up, I've got a tattoo of you on my chest. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. I should have. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> oh, that could have. Actually, we're going to retcon. We're going to retcon this. <laughs> that was the crazy fan. That that last situation, they had the tattoo, <laughs> and it just got out of hand. <laughs> tattoo said John. Just I know Maria's is gonna come back, and I'm ready to be the asshole cop again. Of money. <laughs> oh my gosh, Ramirez has become like the like. I was like, he's just a random throwaway side character we just came up with, and I want more of him. <laughs> yes. I'm actually honestly surprised I didn't see Ramirez in any other encounter there. Now oh, yeah. I have to, now I gotta start making plans on like only money. If you bring up Ramirez, I will come back to voice him. Oh no, now we have to. We don't got a choice. <laughs> it, it will happen people, it will happen one day Ramirez will come back. Don't worry. Ramirez. If he doesn't if he doesn't, he'll be in a campaign. I will play Ramirez. If there's Narcy oh, in this campaign. Backup character is going to be Ramirez. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. We love it. Alrighty. But, oh. gentlemen, that ends our time tonight. So to all the listeners out there in internet land, thank you for joining us for the first official episode of Knights of Paintown, a City of Mist actual play podcast. We will be back with the next, with episode two shortly. But until then, remember, learn to love each other, take care of one another, and until next time, let the good times roll.